Amen. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Turn with me to Isaiah 55. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 55, starting at verse 1. Actually, it's just going to be verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come. You might turn my mic down a little bit. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. You know what? I am going to read the second verse. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Let's go to verse 3 here as well. Incline your ear and come to me Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Thank you, Father. Lord, today, as we're just in an atmosphere of worship, in an attitude of worship, and Lord, I know that it's more than just this time spent here on Sunday. Because worship is something that's happening all week long. Real worship is our heart's devotion to You, Jesus. But Lord, even beyond that, what would be our devotion if we could see You more? If we had a closer or more fuller grasp and glimpse, a view of You, Lord, we would have a different devotional life. We would live more to worship You than we ever have. Jesus, I want to pray that You will stir in us. You will stir in us what it means to worship You. I want us to understand and, and to know. And, and only if You can open our eyes. We'll, you know us in our weakness, God. You know us in our incapability. But Lord, we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And today, because we believe in Your power, and we believe, Lord, that when You draw us near to You, God, it's different when we're walking close to You. Lord, when none of the world and, and all of the things that go on in the world, nor in our own life, hide the reality and the power of who You are to us. But we are constantly driven by this need to find more of You. And Lord, I'm thankful for the words of this psalmist who said, that will I seek after. One thing have I desired. Oh Lord, I want to pray that here in this place. God, every heart confirms and, and holds on to that for themselves that one thing have I desired. I don't want anything else. Nothing else is of value and holds my soul or the grasp of my heart. I only want one thing. One thing have I desired and that will I seek after. That I may behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Oh Jesus, will You make that our hearts cry, cry today and help us grasp You, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we need You. And Lord, I want to thank You, Father, for invading our space and coming into our lives and ministering to us. Lord, I want, I'm want i so grateful, Father, that when we've really come to the place where we've struggled 
so much. And, and in our confession, in our surrender, Lord, we find all, the, all that You've ever wanted for us to find. And we can say at some point in our life that as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for Thee, O God. Lord, I pray today that You would just continue to stir this hunger in Your people. Oh, Father, I pray today that, Lord, there would be such an immensity, Lord, a perpetual commitment of our heart to find more, to grasp more of this eternal, omnipotent God that You are and never let go and never quit seeking. Oh, Lord, we thank You, Jesus, today for Your mighty grace and the outpouring of Your Spirit on our lives. We will never cease to give You thanks. Oh, praise You, Lord. Father, thank You for every testimony in this place. Lord, thank You for the ones that are shared today and the ones who have not been shared. But Lord, they mean everything. They are a declaration to that name which is above every name. That sound of worship that you belong that belongs to You. Lord, nobody deserves those praises but You. And Lord, we cannot hold them in when our heart's desire is truly to worship You. So Father, I am so grateful that I am in been earshot to the praises, Lord, and the miracles and the manifestation of what You've done only to feed this desire in me to seek You and the desire of the people here to seek Your face. May it be so in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless You, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, I've got some stuff here on my notes, but I'm not sure that I'm going to cover it. We'll see. Isaiah 51. There's two words here that stand out to me. As I was praying this week and thinking about, I guess I should give a little bit more into it. You know, my time, I feel like the highlight of, of our vacation for me was God wanting to take this piece I had left here talking to you guys about the importance of confession and the pathway into His glory. And I never really realized until God took time with me throughout these last few weeks to show me more what that would mean for me personally. And, you know, a lot of us, the idea of confession, and one of the Lord, things the Lord showed me is you've confessed a lot to me in your past. But one of the issues that I have found, that I felt like God just kind of brought up to me was, but you confess still with this self thing in the middle of it. It's, it, it gets in the way of the confession, and so it's more like get it out of the way confession. Try and get beyond the guilt and the frustrations rather than see what the purpose in the heart of God is in it. And so it's unique that not only did I leave here having said that, but during our time in our intermission, that was the heart of most of what was shared within our intermission. It's interesting because we got to spend some time with Mike and Michelle as well, and he had shared how God was ministering to him and some of the things that he had had to confess to somebody in his life, um, their local. And it was interesting that God's unique and universal message was kind of reaching all of us. And I remember a peak point for us when we were sitting at a table, their table in their home, and you know they have five kids, we have three kids, we're all combined. And you know how difficult it is to have that moment of uh, isolated time with one another. And, and only God can make that happen when you have so many kids around. And we did have that moment. And I would say it was probably one moment out of all of it. And, and I said there wasn't a relaxing time there, but it was a refreshing time for sure. 
And I remember some things as they were shared across the table. And I remember that, that soberness that had hit Micah at the time. And he was the first one that broke down in tears and just started praying and confessing things that were on his heart before the Lord. And I remember feeling some of the same things. And I remember in the morning getting up and praying and, and starting my time with not just confession of sin, but confession of weakness, confession of the vulnerability and the humanity that I feel like I'm locked up in, and this sense that God wants something. There's more to the depth of who He is than what I know, and I know that so much. And as I did, I, I kind of felt like, you know, and I think this was the roadblock to spending time to just bring things before the Lord and just be vulnerable in His presence. But really for me it was more a matter of feeling like as I'm doing this, I feel like I'm less worthy and less likely to receive from Him. That was kind of the, I would say, I couldn't have put it in words better, but that's how I think inwardly it felt. And I remember coming out, and in that morning, and of course this wasn't during our time at prayer table, but this was just one of those isolated moments for me. And I remember feeling like I didn't have to work at it. The presence of the Lord was there. Everything I needed was in that moment. And it just felt like this is a holy moment for me. This was a moment where inwardly I felt like I was removing the shoes from off of my feet. And it didn't matter who was there. It just felt like God was there. And it just it didn't, there was no space or time or worry or frustration. And I felt like the Lord was just trying to press a deeper truth inside of me. And so then, along with this, I've been listening to an audio book of, and I... I had forgotten, it had been a long time since I had read this book by A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God. I would recommend every one of you take some time to read that book. And I remember some of the things that he was sharing in that, and it was stirring me more. And I would listen to my Bible early in the morning, and I would read my Bible at different times, and just these different sacred moments for me with the Lord. And I felt like what the Lord had given me was this. If I could give you a personal message of what I felt like the Lord had showed me. If you will come and that stuff that's in your heart, sometimes it's just a feeling of I'm angry. Other times it might be something else going on. But those are the things that are hidden that really wall our opportunity to spend with the Lord. And so as I share that with him, and the Lord said, as you open that door for me, that makes an access point for me to come in and do something more. And these are the very things that actually all I've wanted to do. And so one of the things that in this book that A.W. Tozer had shared was the eminence of the presence of God. God is always in every space and in every uh, time frame. He had made the statement that if you'd had I can't remember how many, but a thousand different individuals at unlimited amounts of space between them that God could have been in every one of their space at the same exact time. And you know, as I get more of a picture and start grasping that, all you have to do is take time to meditate and think about, wait, wait a second, if God is actually that present, is it possible that maybe I'm missing an awareness of His presence? Is it possible that I'm so limited on my ability to see Him? And one of the things I thought was so powerful is that he made the statement that because God is always there, the issue is never with God. The, the, str the struggle is with us. 
And then uh, I had, we had our, our, um, our intercessory prayer time. And this was probably the first time to nobody's, I felt like this was divinely set up for me. Was I ended up in that prayer time alone, but I needed that prayer time alone. And while I was in that time, I was, I was struck. I had come in there having had a, an area of struggle of my own heart and feeling like this is not the time for a prayer meeting. This isn't a time for me. And I did what I had been doing, and that was just bring it before the Lord. And I felt like the Lord had showed me, and I, this was my thought, Lord, how come when I felt like I was struggling, it felt like you were the most distant? And the Lord showed me it's because your heart is in a, in a place that when I'm speaking to you, you can't receive from me. And I remember the Lord just flashing before my mind instances of people that I was thinking of and situations that were troubling me because I felt like in that moment, it was like the world was looking in on me in the ugliness of my own heart. And I remember feeling like that, and I remember the Lord saying, that was me speaking to you. I was speaking to you the conscience and the awareness of my presence as if other people were there in your space. And I thought about many instances and situations all around me that literally I felt like my eyes were closed to, that I wasn't grasping the enormity of God in the moment because I was in my flesh. And I was in this attitude of mind that it was pushing God out, even though I thought that in my mind I wanted Him there. And see, there's this kind of deception that we give to ourselves when we're in our flesh that we don't notice. And so God began to show that to me And then he opened up to me Psalm 139. And as I read that psalm, the psalmist is basically making a declaration that God is in every place. I could make my bed in hell and still you would be there. There's nowhere to the ends of the earth that I couldn't go that you wouldn't be there present. And your hand was upon me. And then he makes this statement that he is as if he was seeking to find a place of darkness. And it really kind of spoke to me because that's how I felt like in my heart that I was. I was looking for a place of darkness as if an escape hatch from the presence of God. Because inwardly I felt like I would be mightily convicted of what I would see in me. And I almost was as if I was trying to escape conviction. But at the same time I didn't realize I was, I was missing love in the moment. And as I... Uh, thought more of how the psalmist was painting this picture. If I go find a place of darkness as if to cover myself. And then he makes the statement to God, there is no darkness. The darkness is light to you. See, the only difference is this, is God is always in our space. He's always in our company. He's always there reading every thought of your mind. He knows everything going on in your heart. He knows in your moment of weakness or even in the moment of sin, what has been the cause And what's generated it within your life and in your mind. And so God is presently aware of everything so perfectly that the Bible describes it as if He knew every hair upon our head. The grasp of that, the idea of that, the enormity of that, just constantly, like as if the Holy Spirit was trying to press this reality into my heart. And and when the psalmist makes this statement and, and he said, this knowledge is too wonderful for me. And I sat here on this 
at this altar thinking about that and thinking, Lord, it is. As, as you give me a little bit more of a grasp beyond my finite mind into this idea and this reality of things that my finite mind doesn't grasp until I get a revelation from the Holy Spirit, it becomes so precious and real and so personal and so overflowing that I'm so moved by the Word of God as the Spirit of God is personally making it real to me. And what I felt like was the Lord was just interweaving Himself in there. And I felt like the Lord had, had pretty much had said, the first gateway that you gave me was to start opening this up in conversation. You didn't have to have the spiritual conversation. Oh Lord, I believe you're here. Oh God, I know that you're always being my... You didn't have to go there. You just had to talk about where you were in the moment. And God found a way to find... I think this, that the Lord always has an open door when there's humility on our end. And so what I've begun to realize is God doesn't want the, the big James or the good James or the righteous James at His throne room. He wants the broken James, the humble James, the James that doesn't have anything in himself constantly receiving from Him. So while this was brewing in my spirit, you're like, are you going to get to the sermon now, right? While I was brewing this in my spirit, Isaiah 55 was one of these things that God had given to me. And so the word that stands out here is come. Come. Another word, another phrase that stands out is without money and without price. Without money and without price. You know, I, I had to think about when, when I was coming and I was, I was receiving from the sweetness of the presence of God, the sweetness of the aroma of what God was sharing with me and the truths and the, and the Word of God just coming alive in my moment. As I was sharing in that, it felt like the Lord was saying, this is without money and price on your end. But I also sense the Lord give me this one thought. It's paid for. It's paid for. And while I was thinking about that, it felt like to me that the greatest grief that God has is that not only did I provide for you, but I paid for that provision. And the best way that you can show me that you love me is to receive from me. And so in that moment, I was thinking, Lord, I don't know what weakness or what's still in me. But there just feels like there's an ocean that I haven't come to yet. There's a breadth and a depth to you that even as I feel totally satisfied in this moment, and I feel overwhelmed by just what you're revealing to me, and it's, it's enough. For James, this is enough. There just feels like there's more. It just feels like there's so much more, and that I can have more. And, it, and I feel like God does that to His seekers and to those who are wanting from Him and, and ready to receive from Him ultimately because I think the, re, the way we receive more is we long for more. He that hungers and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled. And I think it just draws us to this place to say, Lord, in my human capacity, something is missing. But I think in Your divine power that You can now equip me to want more. To really want more. And so what's interesting about this is that I feel like it's easy to shed temptation 
while I'm, fe- I'm, I'm experiencing more, while God is there more. And this word come is standing out to me as an open invitation at every moment in any second that you want to, I am there available for you. The, the things that Jesus said started standing out to me. And Jesus made statements as if the whole of the matter was on your willingness, not on His. Be it according to your faith. With Ask that you may receive, that your joy may be full. These were Scriptures that were coming to me thinking about instances where it was if Jesus was saying to those around Him, you have no idea. You don't grasp where I'm at in the moment. And over and over again, thinking and then the story again, the one that's been on me probably for six months or more, and that's the story of the Samaritan woman. And Jesus makes this statement to her. He says to her, if you had known who I was, You would have asked of me. And listen to what he said. You would have asked and I would have given. Absolutely. There is no part on me that withholds from you. If you would have known, you would have asked. And I feel like what he was basically saying to this woman is, as much as you think you know, you still have no idea. But if... That, were, that wall were removed, if that obstacle in your life were removed, and you saw me for the omnipotent Savior that I am, there would be no ceasing on your heart to ask. And there would be no depth that you would not go to, that you, there would be no end to the depth in which you would begin to cleave to me through. And see, this is where we mean and we talk about the intimacy of God, because all of us are on different levels of which we've received from the fullness of Jesus. And I think ultimately that the, the spout of heaven has been opened to us based upon the faith and the openness and the hunger and the demand our heart has had upon the Lord. One of the major pieces to that is this call of purity. As I hear over and over and getting to think about how none of us are perfect. And I know that's true, but there's this thing about when I'm in the middle of God's, God's inner working in my life and how the Holy Spirit is is doing things, it feels like I am. It feels like nothing could go wrong. I could do no wrong. It feels like I am completely hedged in and there is no devil. He doesn't exist. He has no power. He has no authority. And what else does Jesus mean than you are more than conquerors through Him who loved you and gave Himself for you? And talking about Spoiling principalities and powers and over all the powers of darkness. Is this not what he was saying that I have more than sufficiently provided for every ounce of weakness, human frailty that you have? And yet it's just a matter of you seeing and knowing. And our first step into that glory may be, oh Jesus, one more time, I don't have it in me. I don't know what to tell you. Lord, again, I see this weakness about me because, you know, I woke up this morning and the thoughts going through my mind weren't the ones I really wanted to go through my mind. The way I looked on my loved ones as if they were just just a normal human being and rather than 
the precious souls that you have put within my stewardship. And I know that, Lord, and I feel like I just I need more of something from you today. Inter- introduce me to it, Lord. Take me to it, Jesus. And I'm more than willing to share any of my weaknesses with you so that you can show yourself in me. And there's this point in which the Holy Spirit helps us get to what we call humility. And I think humility is a great thing because not only am I able to say what's truthfully my own, what's truthfully my own area, and not make it bigger than what it is and not smaller than what it is, but I'm also able to recognize the authority of Jesus. And I'm not struggling through either one of those. I'm not ultimately, when, when uh, humility is a deeper piece of it, I think in that humility is this ingredient of I see you, Jesus. I think you're bigger than I'm grasping in the moment, but what I am grasping is enough to tell me that you are never, I'm never to have to worry. I don't have to worry here. You know, I think at one time, the biggest thing on my mind was how to be perfect. How to just be perfect. And the most perfect I think I've ever been is when I have been so entertained by God that nothing else in this world or about me seemed to be in the way in the moment. That is the best perfect, that's the best thing I can say to perfect. And I think that stamped in heaven, that is perfect. I think that's all that Jesus ever wanted. You know, we throw the word around relationship with God, and really on so many different occasions, I think it's so far from the relationship that God wanted to have with you. And it's during these times that sometimes individuals and people come to my mind. But the thoughts toward them are so precious. The heart of God toward them is just so melts me and makes just the sweetness. It makes a man into just this soft. And, and I feel like softness. If I could just use the word, the word softened in heart. I'm just so soft in your presence, Lord. So aware of you in this moment that you can just, it's just like a thought or an idea or a word is enough to just make me just hold on to you. And here we have these words, come to the waters, and he who has no money. You know, I'm a guy who, I, I like free. <laughs> Especially if it's valuable, right? Like, there's a lot of things that are free. It's like, just go take the dump. It's not that important. But this is different. Because it's not saying... It's free to those who have the ability to pay. Because he says, come without money and without price. I I can't help but think of the words of the Apostle Peter when he said, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have. (laughs) So there's this sense of bankruptcy. And, and what I feel like the Holy Spirit is really doing in the saints of God, He's really just trying to put inside of us, what's the word I had here? Let me see if I can find it. 
this inward poverty. This inward poverty. I want to share with you a quote. This is actually one that I wrote. This is just in a time of devotion that I had before the Lord probably a year or two ago. This is what it says. By this we are to see that the promises of God are really given freely. So speaking of Isaiah 55, we are also to see that they are received only by those who are truly empty. Our emptiness is the channel in which God's promises can flow through. Emptiness is without merit and carries with it a virtue for our unworthiness. That piece right there has meant so much to me. Emptiness it has a virtue for our unworthiness. Emptiness holds us, holds with it the humility that does not destroy the gifts of love or manipulate God's grace to self-serving ends. Emptiness lends us to God. It furthers His will by making us fit to receive from Him and lending no limit. Oh, listen to this one. Lending no limit as to how much He may give or how much we may receive. I think the goal is that God is emptying you. God is building humility in you. So that whenever He does something, it's not for my glory. It's not for my boast. It's not for my opportunity to gather somebody's eyes or their attention. It's simply to get and gather a deeper, more intimate worship to Him and Him alone. That's it. When life is over, and these, this, this, <laughs> I'm actually just preaching the words that God gave me this week, okay? So, this phrase, in the Word of God, stood out to me, predestinated to be conformed into the image of His Son. Huh. And I, it's that immediate knowing what God is trying to say when He gives you those Scriptures, And this was a thought that passed through my mind. What if the real prerequisite for going to heaven is that you look like Jesus when you get there? So what's going to happen to get me looking like Jesus right now, today? How many of us feel like we are very much undone when I make that statement? But isn't it the heavenly work of God to do more? then just leave us in our vulnerable state, keep us constantly begging to just get a little bit better at our human way of living and maybe a little bit moral along the way and just come to the realization of that every time you have a spiritual union with God, you have become more like Christ. And anything of pride or things that hold us into this place, uh, I would say blocking the visual. Like, look at like those windows right here. You can't see outside because there's such a, the way they're made is to have a haze to prevent you from seeing through it. And I think that's what some of the things that we have in our finite human being is, is we're trying to see God through that haze. And the Holy Spirit is getting through that haze in our time of bringing our hearts before Him, confessing our sins, our weaknesses, things that aren't right with Him. And He's taking some haze off of that window and then you begin to see Jesus clearly and that's when God does His work. That's when He does His work. 
See, we're trying to get God to do His work while looking through that. And it's just not happening. But when we get a clear visual of Jesus, it's impossible not to be changed. Just you can't help it. You know what I loved about it? Because the week, in many different parts of the week, it hasn't been in every situation, but it just seems like there's something light about my heart. And it just feels like the world doesn't have... It's, it, whatever place the world had on me before, it feels like a big portion of it has been lifted since. And I'm just looking to move a little bit closer in that direction for this next week. And I'm hoping that you're going to move a little bit closer to that place this week. Because God has some unimaginable things to reveal to us. And I think that when we give, when we get into that space, heaven is going to become heaven to you. And there's just things about what God wants to do for us personally. And I'm, I'm so moved by the many testimonies shared today. And Don's testimony of God's healing and God just bringing things out. But I think it all added together as I listened to Emily share with us about what do I do? What am I going to do? Like in essential sense for the pastor, how is this ministry going to become greater? And really the idea is how is Jesus going to become greater? How is there going to be less of me when it's all said and done? When, when there's less of you to look at me and say, it seems like he's boasting about himself again. And there's this reality of he's really humble this time. <laughs> right? It's really, I sense this. I feel this. And I think the reality is for all of us, God is actually bringing us into that space where we realize he's doing it all. He's doing it all. I want to share this quote by uh, A.W. Tozer. So in reading the book, it's one of the things he said. And, and I had, one of my, my points here on this sermon was father, the Father is establishing the depth of his love in, these, in Isaiah 55, verse 1. And A.W. Tozer makes this statement, Our pursuit of God is successful just because God is forever seeking to manifest Himself to us. I want to say that one more time. Our pursuit of God is successful just because God is forever seeking to manifest Himself to us. I want you to think about that as we close this service. As we come an end to our time, I want you to think about if God is forever seeking to satisfy and show Himself to me, and there's no end to how much He wants to do that, I want you to start thinking more about how you can make space for God to do just that in your life. I'm going to see if there's one other thing here. I don't think there's anything else that I can think of. If so, I'll give it to you next Sunday. Let's just take some time. I'm going to ask Beverly and Emily to come up. We want to take communion this morning. I think this is a very appropriate time. Amazing how the Lord puts everything together. Again, we do have for the communion for the bread, we do have some gluten-free bread if there's anybody who needs it. That will be the smaller pieces. Um, but I want you to take in how much God loves you. Mike, did you want to share something?